Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. Okay, we're going to talk about mind games today. Mind games is something that people play because it makes us feel powerful and it allows us to avoid taking responsibility for our feelings. And the, and the drawback of playing mind games is that you never really have an authentic relationship with people. And thus, you know, uh, you, you never feel a deep, loving uh, connection that comes from honesty and trust with other people. And so there's a whole bunch of common mind games, and we can call them also defense mechanisms. The, the first one is disqualifying. You know, this is a method of saying something hurtful to someone, and then when they become hurt, doing a double whammy by making it seem you didn't at all mean what they thought you meant. And you say to someone, uh, you know, sometimes you're so gullible or sometimes you're so vulnerable. If the person becomes hurt, which you consciously or unconsciously want, you reply, oh, I was just joking. Sometimes you're ne- you're, you're oversensitive. You know, the, not only do you hurt them, but you hurt them twice by disqualifying what you first said and then insulting them by blowing it off and saying they're too sensitive. And this can make the other person really angry and confused. Uh, Another mind game is forgetting. And this is a passive aggressive person uh, that plays this kind of game. Basically, they forget important things like appointments, promises, paying back loans, and, and you wait for them to remember, but they don't. And when you bring it up, they re- they reply, "Oh, I'm so sorry, I forgot." And after hearing, uh, having having bringing up several times, you start to get annoyed, and and they reply, "Oh, I'm really so sorry. Are you angry? You seem angry." And and if you ask them um, if they're angry at you, they protest, "Oh, God, no! If I if I were, I would tell you." And they make you feel like you're you're angry over nothing which makes you even more angry. And this is how they dump their anger onto you without giving you a chance to voice your own anger. You know, when you loan things to people, when you give people money, don't expect it back. Don't expect it back because people play mind games. They forget. They don't take as much accountability as you would think. Also, there's these persecuting people. Uh, sometimes people protect their hatred or project it onto others and persecute them. Um, they're either unaware of their own hatred or they think it's justified. And once they begin projecting, they look for reasons to persecute. And if the hated individuals disagree with them on, on anything, they decline an invitation or smile the wrong way. The persecutor finds a way to punish them, and they talk trash about them behind their backs. They get others to gang up against them or speak to them in a condescending or insulting way, and they judge them as bad or evil, and they treat them just like that, and they never discuss their feelings or try to work things out, and this is the opposite of the golden rule, do unto others as you would have done to you. Uh, you know, this could, this could be stated, punish others for not being what you want them to be. And basically, that's called projecting in the psychology world, where they project their own nastiness on other people instead of taking accountability for who they really are. There's also people that do mind games like guilt tripping. You know, the game here is to make someone feel guilty unless they do what you want them to do. You know, for instance, a, a, a wife might call a husband a sexist. At first, he may protest, but eventually, in order not to be the sexist, he tries to be kind the kind of husband she wants. And so the husband tells his wife she's frigid because she wants her, he wants her to feel guilty about have not having sex with him. And so, you know, instead of simply saying uh, to the person's spouse, it makes me feel hurt when you do not do such and such which would lead to a discussion that might require both to look at themselves objectively 
So they simply call the other name and arouse guilt while avoiding avoiding reality. You know, there's also uh, the gaslighting. You know, it comes from the classic movie with Ingrid Bergman in which her husband tries to make her think she's going crazy because she's seeing things such as gas lights going on and off. And when she sees the lights going on and off, he says he doesn't see that at all. And some very disturbed people use this technique on a hated relative and they say uh, or do things and then deny they ever said them. And, and when their partner persists in bringing these things up, the gaslighter begins to question the other's sanity. You know, uh, uh, you know they'll, they'll accuse you of having an overactive imagination or uh, it isn't even conscious that they're doing this. But that's what gaslighting is all about. It's basically uh, uh, not recognizing the reality of what is happening. There's also shaming. You know, people who play the, the shaming game express their anger by looking uh, to catch people they don't like saying or doing something they consider inappropriate. And so basically they put that person on the spotlight no matter what or kind of person they are. If they don't like them, they're going to shame them for doing something they see as inappropriate. And, and it's the opposite of idealizing someone. It, it is demonizing someone. And so a militant, uh, let's say, religious person may wait for those who are not religious to say the wrong thing. And so, you know, religion isn't always a good thing. Some Someone might say the religious nut might even jump on them as they would a monster and distribute their, their quote all over the Internet in an outraged tone or demand an apology. And this game enables the shamer to dump their anger while looking to all the world like an innocent, concerned citizen. And so people tend to think that when they're projecting the shame on someone and calling them out, that the whole world is innocent and, they're, and, and that that person is guilty. And so they love to demonize a certain individual for maybe doing something human, which we're all flawed. We all do bad things. We all do stupid things. We all do things that are wrong. But unfortunately, uh, an individual might want to project their own uh, need for perfection uh, on someone else. And so that's what shaming is all about, is trying to make a perfect person out of an imperfect perfect person. There's also pretending, and that can take a whole lot of different forms. So a person may pretend to be interested in another person in order to get, you know, sex. And so a, a woman may pretend to be attracted to a man in order to lead him on or thereby act out in anger. You know, people can pretend they're not angry when in fact they are very angry. You know, people can pretend to be your best friend in order to get you to trust them while they hide their real motives. You know, good pretenders are good actors. And sometimes they've even convinced themselves that they're sincere. And, and if you look at psychoanalysis or therapy, we call that a reaction formation. You know, a, a person may be jealous of you, but deny it. Uh, to themselves and convince themselves of the opposite. And, and uh, so, you know, if you believe a person, you may fall into their trap and regret it, but pretending is a way of controlling you and avoiding any confrontation that might result from honesty. These mind games are bad enough when they occur among adults, but unfortunately, some parents play these games with their children and actually teach their children these horrible mind games and it leaves them hurt and confused. And these games all have advantages, but at the same time, they prevent authentic uh, 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 relating and love, which are truly what makes life worth living. So if you stay away from these kind of games and lean towards those who don't, you, you have a chance of having a much healthier life. You know, we've all been on the receiving end of mind games. We've all experienced people who like to test us and put us through psychological uh, uh, stress. And these people might be our colleagues, our friends, our family, or most commonly our partners. But in case it, 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 it can be just as frustrating and potentially damaging. So how do you deal with it? How can you get the upper hand? You know, well, you have to look at people, why they play mind games, and that often gives you the solutions. So why do they do this? 
there are a whole lot of reasons that people will play mind games. The, the, and the reason they're experiencing it will be to do to the individuals who's subjecting you to them in the context of, of surrounding the mind games. It's it's their personality. It's the way they've learned to deal with life. Once again, they get a lot of this stuff from their parents or from their uh, siblings. And the reason a colleague plays mind games at work, for instance, might be very different from the reason your partner plays mind games and tests you. It's about motives. Motives, motives, motives. People have lots of motives. You know, the first reason that many people play mind games is usually in order to get back some control. So if we can elicit a response from someone or if we can get them to do what we want, then this can give us a real great power buzz and make us feel like we're in control. So if that person experiences little control in other areas of their life, then perhaps this is the way to make up for that and to regain that feeling so that they don't uh, feel so frightened. You know, it's a matter of insecurity. And so that's the first reason and the biggest reason that people play mind games. You know, the insecurity might also uh, come with resentment. And if they, they're feeling like they have no control of their lives, perhaps like a failure, then it might be that they choose you specifically to take out their frustrations. And this will often uh, uh cause you to, to, to represent what they want, you know, it's causing them to represent what they want to be. You know, they want to project on you what they want to be. And perhaps you exhibit confidence and success that they wish to possess. And perhaps by playing mind games, they can feel like the winner for a change. In relationships, this can often be more complex. You know, mind games are often a form of testing in order to see how you react, to see how you control. And so that way they can feel like they have control of the relationship. And to test their theories and concerns, uh, someone you're dating may, for instance, invite you to do one thing and then get angry when you take them up on the offer. Perhaps uh, going out with friends rather than spending time with them. And so they act like they, you know, it's fine, go out with your friends. And then all of a sudden they're angry because you went out with your friends and didn't respond to them. That's a mind game. You know, they guilt you out for not doing what they thought you should do by testing you. And, and the reason for this is not emotional, not just emotional manipulation, uh, but it's also uh, usually because they want you to demonstrate you'd rather be with them even when the choice is up to you. So, you know, likewise, if someone is upset, they might not directly tell you or explain why, hoping instead that you will be sensitive enough to work those details out for yourself. This is a lot of mind games. And and unfortunately, people play them all the time and it just messes people up. So how do you deal with it? Well, the best way to deal with mind games is simply to rise above them. You, you should avoid trying to uh, beat them at their own game. Uh, as as doing so can actually end up uh, with both of you getting hurt. Normally, mind games are uh, being employed are used for the simple reason that the person doing it is too afraid to confront you directly, or they know you would win the confrontation. So they are using indirect manipulative techniques because they feel insecure and because you are the stronger in the stronger positions. Thus. If you call them directly on what you suspect and you address the issue publicly, they will more often than not reverse course and back down and you'll win. So, for instance, if someone were to try subtly undermine you in a workplace, you could try to do the same back and would end up with both of your reputations tarnished. So, unfortunately, people play these mind games and they hurt each other and they destroy each other's integrity, their lives and everything about them. And it's sad, but people love to do this. And unfortunately, they do this because they were taught to do this in their childhood. You know, also in a relationships, it can, it can work. You know, simply ask directly, what is it that is bothering your partner? And if there's anything you can do to help them, instead of playing the mind game, you just call them out and say, what's going on? Why are you acting this way? Why are you doing this? What is going on? You know, you told me it was okay to go out with my friends. And now we can't. All right, let's take a break, come back, and we're going to talk more about mind games. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and entertained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with us at Be the Star You Are Radio. And the Voice America Empowerment Channel. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red's. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about mind games. You know, in relationships, people play mind games usually because they're insecure, they're immature, or they have a manipulative type of personality. They're not ready and mature enough to be in a stable relationship. And most of that stems from personal insecurities and inability to trust and connect with an, another person in a healthy way. You know, some, some other types of, uh, of insecurities, uh, mind games that people play in relationships, are, is the biggest one is playing hard to get. You know, this is when men and women intentionally uh, uh, try not to show their interest and affection for the person they're dating. And the purpose of that is to make themselves look more valuable in the eyes of their date. So they don't want to appear easy or desperate, or they simply like the feeling of being chased. You know, also there's projecting, which is a psychological term. You know, projection is when one person attributes their own thoughts and actions to someone else. 
You know, for example, a person that is being unfaithful may blame their partner for cheating. So the person being blamed spends their energy defending themselves instead of taking a closer look at the partner and judging them for their actions. There's also uh, sending mixed messages. This, this happens in relationships all the time. So a person who sends mixed messages, they may act interested for a while and then ignore you completely, only to start acting interested again later. So what's the point of that? Well, they may unintentionally do it because they are not sure of their own feelings. But if they, they do that intentionally, it's for the purpose of making you feel desperate and insecure and more focused on them. There's also guilt tripping. You know, people use guilt tripping techniques like blaming others to make the other person weaken their boundaries. So a person who feels guilty will often let others walk over them and do things they wouldn't do if guilt was not there in the first place. And so that means that other person can get away with doing lots of things that they shouldn't be doing. There's also withholding affection, and this sadly happens often in relationships. Many people withhold affection if they don't get their way in relationships. And of course, this is not to be confused with being mad at your partner for a justifiable reason. There's also love bombing. You know, love bombing is what uh, manipulative people do often at the beginning of a relationship. They try their best to seem like the perfect, wonderful lover uh, of your dreams rather than a normal person. So they may text you constantly, buy you gifts all the time, move quickly in the relationship, but it's important to make the difference between love bombing and normal flirting and showing affection. Love bombing tends to be a lot more intense than normal flirting and seems way less realistic and inappropriate for the stage of the relationship. So, you know, love bombing often happens as a way to try to to get a person to be attractive to you. You know, testing limits is often found in relationships. And this is when a person intentionally does something hurtful or disrespectful to you in order to test your reaction or your boundaries. And they, they want to see if you're a person with weak boundaries or if you're able to stand up for yourself. So people who do this are generally people who are looking for someone with weak personal boundaries. And that's why they try to test your boundaries. And once again, gaslighting. Gaslighting is often found in relationships. It's very manipulative, and and manipulators usually use uh, to make their victim uh, question their own reality. And what gaslighters do is they withhold information. They lie to your face about trivial things. They deny ever saying something you remember they said to confuse you and they accuse you of being crazy or overly forgetful and they may even seem uh, mis uh, you know place or hide your items to make you question your own reality so dealing with people with mind games is you have to make sure you have strong personal boundaries personal boundaries are guidelines that we establish to teach other people how to behave towards us you have the right to tell someone how they need to behave towards you if they want to get your full attention you know i don't respond to this well i don't deal with this kind of you know behavior this is not the way that i like to interact you have the right to tell someone how to talk to you the first thing you need to do when you notice that someone is playing mind games with you is confront them and let them know that you're aware and not accepting their behavior and if better communication doesn't solve the problem you probably can do nothing to make the person change but what you need to do is move on you know make sure that you ask a person you trust for their advice you know often a third person can look at the situation more wisely and rationally because they're not the, uh, emotionally involved and they can give you more level-headed and unbiased advice also you know call the person when you have a person that is dealing with mind games and, and throwing those on you, call the person on their behavior. Make sure you let the person know that you're aware of their behavior. Don't try to get even or win the game using passive aggressive tactics. Just let the person know that you realize they're being manipulative and don't stoop to their level. You know, it's, it's, that's called adult. 
You know, don't try to change uh, the the player. It's very difficult to change someone, especially an, a manipulative person. If they're manipulative and communication doesn't solve that problem, chances are it's just their personality and there's not much you can do about it. And it's very likely you'll be wasting your time if you continue to try. You know, don't try to change them if they can't change. You know, just move on. You know, most of the time people who play mind games won't change for the better, unless they're still very, very young. To have a healthy relationship, you need to be with a person that is mature enough to communicate openly and effectively. You don't need anyone who manipulates you or tests you to, by playing mind games. But, you know, if you're stuck in a relationship where you're married, you know, I'm not saying go get divorced, but I'm saying don't participate in the mind game. Just continue to call them out, and eventually, hopefully, they will realize what they're doing. You know, uh, psychological tricks are, are, are something that marketing also teaches us. And when we watch TV uh, and when we watch the news, we see this kind of stuff all the time. And it hooks us. You know, there's also uh, there's things like uh, social proofing and peer pressure. Social proofing is just a fancy term for peer pressure. People are more likely to be, you know, to, to share and engage with content that others people like. And this isn't just because of fancy social media or search engine algorithms. It's good old fashioned peer pressure. People don't want to be left out. They don't want to feel out of the loop or to believe their tastes are dramatically different from their friends' tastes. And so what they do is they migrate to, towards people that have the same taste or that have the same sense of being. And so what we tend to do is try to be like other people and buy things that are like other people. There's also a decoy pricing that happens in marketing. And that operates according to a very simple principle. Price something higher than you expect customers to pay. And the second pricing tier looks more appealing. So consider offering, uh, offering a premium package that's pricier than you expect your customers to accept. And if they, they buy it anyway, that's great. But the real goal is to use pricing package as a decoy that makes the next pricing package look like a steal. You know, and so people do that oftentimes in marketing to to uh, to get you to buy. You know, there's also reciprocity. You know, uh, it, it may be hardwired into human nature, but when someone does something for us, we want to do something for them. And so, you know, use this to your advantage by offering your customers something, a free book, a coupon, valuable information before you ask them to fork over their money. You know, most people have trouble saying no when they've gotten something for free because it upsets their sense of balance and their sense of justice. There's also scarcity. You know, have, have you ever contemplated buying something only later to visit the store and see that it's sold out? You know, odds are uh, good that this led to a sense of desperation to own the product. So when something is rendered unavailable or when it's available only in limited quantities, it, it piques people's interest. So consider offering only a limited number of products and occasionally allowing your most popular offerings uh, temporarily out of stock. That's what marketing does. It makes people feel desperate and then they will pay higher prices. They'll do whatever it takes to get what they want. Um, there's also that what's called the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. And that occurs when you encounter a new piece of information and then begin finding that information everywhere, whether it's in a new word, a novel, a social problem, a product which, which you were uh, probably unfamiliar. Uh, Bader-Meinhof makes the previously invisible unavoidable. You know, capitalize on the phenomenon by highlighting a challenge your product solves. And so the trick here is that it must be a challenge the consumer is unlikely to consider on his or her own. Uh, once you uh, point to the issue, though, your, your, your future customer may begin seeing it everywhere and increasing their willingness to invest in the product. And so, it, you know, it's amazing how things just pop up. Uh, look at bubble tea. All of a sudden, bubble tea is a big phenomenon all over. Well, you know, that's because all of a sudden it's solving a problem that other people didn't know was there. They're like, oh, this is a new novelty. And all of a sudden it pops up everywhere. You know, there's also confirmation bias. 
you know, we look for information that, that confirms our bias. And that's why religious cult leaders find evidence of their power, even when their predictions fail to materialize. And it's why, you know, it's, it's, it's why it is so hard to change the minds of political uh, foes. You know, use confirmation bias to your advantage by providing evidence of what your customers already think. And then use the bias to sell something. And so people love to do that. They sell ideas. You know, politics is all about confirmation bias, looking for the details that, that, that uh, back your point of view. You know, and it's also all about choice. You know, consumers appreciate it when, when they're given choices. But don't overdo it. The paradox of choice suggests that when given too many choices, consumers get overwhelmed and don't buy anything at all. So limit yourself to a few offerings at each price and avoid the overwhelming uh, sense of would-be buyers. So since about in marketing, it's about you can either have this or this. It's not about you can have this, 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 this. Um, it's about limiting those choices until you get someone to buy something. There's also research uh, consistently suggests that people uh, overvalue items they already own. And this is called the endowment effect. And it means that you can increase the subjective value of your products by doing everything you can to get them in the hands of consumers. And so, um, you know, giving away software or a package, you'll soon find that customers view this product as more valuable than it actually is. And this can encourage them to pay more for similar products in the future. There's also what's called a framing effect. And the way you frame information affects how your uh, customers act on it. Research suggests that clear, succinct terms like 200 women agreed or instead of a third of participants agreed, it gets a better response. You know, the takeaway is if you need consumers to pay attention to data, they put the data in the clearest, most specific terms. And so that's what people do in marketing to manipulate and people buy into this. Okay, so what is what are some of our common psychological defense mechanisms? You know, mechanisms of defense help the ego cope with anxiety, frustration, unacceptable impulses. Uh, they they also help relieve tension between uh, psychological reality and the demands of the external world. So there's uh, denial. Uh, reaction formation, projection, they're considered primitive defenses because they're more out of touch with reality. Then there's sublimation or undoing or rationalization, displacement. We're going to talk about all of that. What is rationalization For in the first place? Rationalization is a defense process in which plausible reasons justify an action or an opinion. And so rationalization helps a person cope with disappointments by blaming external circumstances. So a person is using rationalization when, let's say, they don't get a job, they think, okay, I'll be better off at a different company. Or when uh, getting turned down for a date, the person is really snobby. Or an abused spouse may rationalize hitting their children as punishment for being hit by their spouse. And so that's called rationalization. Uh, repression is also a defense mechanism, and it refuses to let into awareness unacceptable impulses, but remains unconsciously operative in behavior. So a person using repression might feel sexually attracted towards members of the same sect, but pushes away the intolerable thought from consciousness only to later dream about their sexual impulses. You know, a person who is using repression, after years of celibacy, the person begins to eat copious amounts of food. That's called repression. So they, they repress their desires and then they move it into a different arena. You know, a young boy may exhibit repression when they have a phobia of dogs, but can't remember the first time that they were afraid of them. There's also displacement. You know, displacement is a defense mechanism which uh, effect is transferred from one object to another. So a person using displacement, they, they compulsively eat lollipops after they quit smoking or um, they begin to compulsively wash their hands after being shamed for masturbating. Or, uh, you know, a man is, is using displacement when he yells at his spouse because he's unable to express anger towards his boss. So basically, they take it out in a safe area. 
there's also identification. You know, it's a process which uh, uh, qualities of an external object are absorbed into a person's personality. So, for instance, you know, a, a Bruce Lee fan may uh, use identification when they become a disciplined martial arts uh, a champion. Or a young person is using identification deciding to follow in their father's footsteps and become a lawyer. That's called identification. They're doing something that their, uh, someone they looked up to does. All right, we're going to continue to talk about mind games and defense mechanisms and all that good stuff in just a moment. Come back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. We all experience grief and loss. It's not something most people like to talk about, but these topics do need to be discussed. On Let's Talk About Grief, host Addie Anderson speaks to both professionals and individuals about grief, death, and personal loss. You'll hear the important topics, the personal and professional outlooks, and learn how to prepare yourself and loved ones when the need arises. Listen Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about mind games. You know, um, mind games are also found in what we call in psychology as defense mechanisms. Um, a defense mechanism, for instance, is like an intellectualization, and it's a process in which content is separated from the repressed effect. So a person uses intellectualization, uh, and intellectualization, sorry, when speaking of their traumatic childhood as if reading a scripted story, or a victim of sexual assault may be using intellectualization by researching. Uh, PTSD criteria instead of addressing their own emotional pain. So instead, they're trying to find the diagnosis rather than trying to find the solution to their PTSD. There's also asceticism, and it's characterized by rigor and self-denial. So an adult uses asceticism when they refuse to eat or sleep until a major work project is complete Or an adolescent uses asceticism to cope with sexual tension and desire by refusing to engage in all pleasurable activities. Also, one of the biggest ones is reaction formation. It's a process which unacceptable impulses are expressed as their opposites. So this helps release anxiety and guilt associated with the true impulse. So an angry supervisee uses reaction formation by being overly nice to a supervisor, for instance, or a parent 
with an unwanted child may demonstrate reaction formation by being very overprotective. Or a man who is gay uses reaction formation by when he openly dates women and criticizes gay men. So that, that would be reaction formation. Once again, these are defense mechanisms that people hide behind. There's also introjection and internalization. Interjection is is the internalization of outside events or characteristics of other people. So a victim may use interjection to identify with the aggressor's behavior to help protect themselves. Or a person may use interjection when putting on their seatbelt before driving away in their car. Um, so what I'm trying to say is with interjection, if, if you look at uh, people that are molested, for instance, in childhood, oftentimes they are molestors because they're trying to put on the role of the perpetrator in order to try to understand and then they become addicted to that behavior. Also, there's projection and people do this all the time and it places unacceptable feelings from the person feeling um them to another person so they have feelings that they can't accept about themselves and they project it on other people so highly anxious uh, person is projecting when they're complaining about another person's anxieties or a person is using projection when they complain that no one likes him but in reality he's they don't even like themselves and so uh they're they're putting it outside of themselves as if uh the reality is uh, they're, they're projecting outside themselves to, to validate the reality of what they feel about themselves. There's also denial. And, and this distorts reality and does not acknowledge emotion. Denial is uncommon in very young children because they're unable to distinguish between fantasy and reality. But a person is using denial when they continue to eat unhealthy foods despite doctor's orders to get healthy or an alcoholic is in denial when they attend a recovery program, but they continue to drink. All right. Now there's also sublimation and a person using sublimation will displace unacceptable instincts for constructive and socially accepted behaviors. So a person with major depression may use professional dance to help sublimate suicidal thoughts or a person with aggressive impulses may use sublimation by, uh, becoming a kickboxing instructor. So what they do is they, they move that negative impulse into something that they consider constructive. There's also undoing, and it's a process by which we avoid being punished for undesirable thoughts or actions. So a, a spouse may unconsciously uh, undo uh there are many adulterous acts by buying their partner lavish gifts. So they, they try to avoid what they do by by pleasing their spouse or pleasing their partner in a way that they know will please them to, to absolve their guilt. Or a person is overly nice to a person they just insulted in their own mind. You know, that, that happens all the time. You know, some other mind games is like playing hard to get or making someone jealous or being vague about where a relationship is going. The biggest one oftentimes in relationship is the silent treatment. But why does this hurt? Why do people do the mind games? I don't know, but it, it drives people away. Playing mind games with somebody who loves you or likes you or just met you five minutes ago, it only leads to one emotion frustration. It destroys a person's integrity. So most people don't want to get complicated, uh, don't want a complicated relationship. They want a partner who's interesting, challenging, exciting, fun, but that doesn't mean the relationship has to be difficult. Some people may confuse those ideas and think an interesting person automatically equals a more challenging relationship. Others think that being independent person means uh, relationships can't be easy because they're used uh, to not depend on one another. So playing mind games and making a relationship difficult doesn't make you more interesting. It just drives people away. So you miss out on meaningful, beautiful relationships. And by the way, in the world of psychology, our biggest goal is to go after defense mechanisms and destroy them. Because when you do that, what happens is people become more self-aware. And so by stripping down defense mechanisms and calling people out on those defense mechanisms, we're able to get down to the real person. And hopefully that person who's been using 
uh, defense mechanisms is eventually going to get down to who they really are and become the loving, attractive person that they should be, you know, that they need to be in this life. You know, it's self-sabotage to use defense mechanisms. You know, playing relationships games, it's a sign of personal insecurities that you feel like you don't deserve a normal relationship. You know, you don't deserve love and a healthy, supportive partnership. You know, if you're having a a hard time not sabotaging your relationships, you need to work on yourself and figure out why you're doing it. And if you're still uh, getting over previous relationships, you know, think about yourself. Interject into yourself. Look at yourself and go, wow, why am I doing this? Why did I do this and destroy this relationship? It also, um, you know, using these these defense mechanisms, this mind games leads to unhealthy relationships. You know, if you want something to be toxic, start playing mind games and it will be. You know, y- you get played back also when you do mind games. You know, you remember your parents telling you treat people how you want to be treated. Well, at first it just sounds like good advice, but it's also a warning. If you act nice to people, they'll be nice back. But if you play in 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 uh, considerate uh, mind games, they'll start fighting back, and then the two of you will continue to drive each other up the wall and drift away and pursue other people in your life. So what what happens when people play mind games, they don't realize that what they're doing is they're destroying their own life. You know, it limits your options. You know, people around you are taking note of how you act while you are uh, functioning as a person. Your friends, your coworkers, your family may want to uh, set you up with someone, but if you play mind games, they won't. So it destroys opportunities in your life. You know, there's uh, also a lot of mind games that are played in social media. You know, uh, frequent likes on a person's profile, you know, uh, removing your tagging. You know, this is not a a wholesale removal of ourselves from being identified with your Facebook page, but we'll, you know, we will not request the removal of those photographs, including us and us alone. You know, if you do that instead, there will be one or two removals of tags, so you are left wondering whether it was done by mistake or whether or not. Also, people that block and unblock, uh, that is a mind game, you know, or look who's back. All of a sudden, somebody comes back onto social media and uh, that, that is gone for a long time. Well, that's a mind game, you know. Also, uh, you, you uh, messages in the night. People awake and they check through their overnight postings on Facebook or in their their texts or whatever. And guess what? Um, all of a sudden, they're reading stuff in the nighttime that they may not be saying in the daytime. There's also in social media nostalgia, you know, where uh, a person goes back in time. Remember this. Remember that. Remember this song. All of a sudden, that becomes a sense of a mind game because it's taking a person's back to a place in time in order to manipulate them. Uh, if you look at the music that's used on television and commercials, oftentimes that's used to bring back a feeling that a person had that they may not be remembering in the, in the present. You know. Um, Misinformation, uh, people that are missing in action, that's oftentimes mind games. You know, uh, managers use mind games. They pull your guilt strings. They give you the silent treatment. They play the blame game. They distort the facts. Uh, They do that in order to get you to do things that they want you to do. Also, they may raise their voice or, or display negative emotions or be sarcastic to make you feel inferior or they uh, overwhelm you with official uh, bottlenecks and guidelines and, and policies that the company has and place them in front of you. So, so you know, a controlling boss would do anything to win and dominate, even if it means hurting you in the process. They convince you they're only trying to help when they're actually out to control. And so, unfortunately, when people are given... Uh, mind games or given the the role of manager, they play lots of mind games with people uh, to get favoritism, to get support, to get loyalty, whatever they want, that whatever they didn't have in their childhood, they, they demonstrate that in their management style. Unfortunately, being called a manager, a person becomes a demon sometimes because they use all these defense mechanisms and mind games to manipulate people. You know, uh, uh, corporations, 
uh, are raking in a whole lot of profits um, because they basically uh, use the 1% uh, fundamental concerns that govern our daily lives. That includes vulnerability, injustice, distrust, superiority, helplessness. We find that in the media. You know, the biggest questions to manipulate people on is, are we safe? Are we treated fairly? Who should we trust? Are we good enough? These are questions that are fundamental to people that corporations play on and, and, and media plays on. Are, are we treated fairly? Who should we trust? Are we good enough? These are big questions. Are we safe? And if we uh, play on those questions, you're going to get people's attention. Also, other questions that manipulate people is, is, is can we control what happens to us? You know, so feelings of helplessness can pose a substantial obstacle in both personal and collective initiatives. When we lack confidence in our capabilities, we're more inclined to give up and abandon our goals and and less likely to show resilience in the face of setbacks. Also, um, in responding to these questions, uh, uh, politicians are masters at using uh, this mind games, like it's a dangerous world. There's no uh, injustice here. They're different from us or pursuing a higher purpose. You know, people play these mind games all of the time. But those fundamental questions, if we ask ourselves those, we also discover what makes people tick and then we're able to manipulate. And so those mind games are often played uh, to get to the primitive needs of people. That's our show. Our next show is is Ophelia's, The Secret Freak Obsessions That People Have. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. And uh, remember, here's a yes and no game. Can only use yes or no once. And All right. The question is, only use yes or no once. Are you beautiful? Are you lying? <laughs> the silent dialogue of a control freak. As long as everything is exactly how I want it, then I'm flexible. Thanks for listening. Come back. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 